Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics. I'm joined today by The Spectator's managing editor, Matt McDonald, and our Washington editor, Amber Athey. And we're going to be asking, should Donald Trump be accepting defeat? Now, I think, Matt and Amber, you're going to disagree slightly on this subject, which hopefully will make for an interesting podcast. It looks very much as though, uh, according to the count, the official count, Joe Biden will be declared uh, the winner of the presidential election in the coming hours. There is obviously a lot of controversy about the huge surge in late mail-in ballots. The Trump campaign are launching all sorts of legal challenging challenges and alleging all sorts of voter fraud. But as every network from CNN to MSNBC to The Spectator's Matthew McDonald has said, uh, these claims are, for the moment, baseless. Let's start with Amber, actually. Do you think these claims are baseless and unsubstantiated? And I might let Matt defend himself. (laughs) I don't think all of the claims are baseless. I think some of them are. I've been going through um, all of the allegations of fraud that have been floating around social media And there's been some pretty good threads debunking quite a few of them. However, there are quite a few that actually seem to have a decent amount of evidence for. For example, in Nevada, the Trump campaign claims to have identified over 3,000 voters who illegally voted out of state. And they verified this supposedly by looking at national change of address records. So just to clarify for listeners, you can vote out of state absentee if you're temporarily out of state, whether for school or a seasonal job or something like that. But if you have a permanent address out of state, you're not allowed to vote in your home state. The Trump campaign claims thousands of people in Nevada did that. Meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, the uh, uh, I think she's called the Secretary of the Commonwealth, took this uh, Supreme Court decision out of Pennsylvania that allowed them to avoid throwing out uh, mail-in ballots that had mismatched signatures and essentially use that to do something that I think is pretty illegal, which is during the pre-canvassing period when the ballots are supposed to start being sorted and counted. This usually starts the morning of Election Day. They were actually giving local party leaders the opportunity to have people fix their absentee ballots if they were filled out incorrectly. However, according to Pennsylvania state law, it's actually illegal to be sharing information during the pre-canvassing period until after the election is over. So that obviously invites opportunity for fraud if the only party leaders they're informing to make sure people's absentee ballots get fixed are people who happen to vote for Democrats and maybe the people who voted for Republicans weren't offered that same opportunity. And then in Michigan, there's another issue with uh, the software where there was a software glitch that incorrectly gave something like 10,000 votes to Joe Biden when they were supposed to go to Donald Trump. That software is used in 47 counties across the state, and they're currently launching an investigation to figure out just uh, if if there were any other glitches involved in using that software. So there's a, a few different areas of potential investigation. I think it's important to point out that the system is supposed to allow for legal challenges. The president and his campaign have every right to look into irregularities and ask the courts to look into irregularities if they think there are any. And at this point, I think it's too soon to say that the president needs to just go ahead and step aside when they have produced some uh, evidence of what seems to be voter fraud. Amber, what, what, what extent do you think there is always 
this sort of messiness in any democratic election, particularly a democratic election on the scale of an American presidential election. And if you look at any tight election going back in history, there are always going to be um, bitternesses, uh, a sense that there's been corruption, city corruption, particularly in democratic areas, has been the, has been the case in American elections going back since whenever. Um, in 1960, John, John F. Kennedy's victory was, was very fraught with, with uh, accusations that, um, that Nixon had actually won if, if, you, if you took out the cheating. I mean, I think my point is, is there any point trying to figure out how much bad behaviour has gone on? Because ultimately there's always a bit of mess in these elections and the result is never as free and fair as people might think. Yeah, it's actually pretty common for these races to quickly get pretty out of hand. Uh, even in the primaries, uh, there was one county and district in New York where it took something like six weeks for them to get results because of all the mail-in ballots and the difficulties counting them. And then, of course, the Georgia governor election back in 2018, Stacey Abrams sort of famously refused to concede the race because she claimed she had only lost due to massive amounts of voter fraud. So I think the general mood among Republicans is even if the amount of fraud that they uncover is not enough to, say, overturn the results if Biden does end up being declared the winner, even if there aren't enough fraudulent votes for Trump to take the lead, that it's worthwhile to try to amend the system. So, for example, after 2000, Florida made a lot of changes to their electoral system where they were allowed to count in mail-in ballots before Election Day. Um, they had various ID measures in place. And look, we got results from Florida very quickly on election night, and those have not been challenged. So if the president is able to somehow uncover actual evidence of voter fraud, which is very, very difficult to do, and is able to encourage various states or localities to change their voting regulations to make the process more fair, I think that's a worthy goal of getting behind. Matt, you think these claims are unsubstantiated. You think that Donald Trump ought to fall on his sword. Sure, yes. Uh, I think part of the issue is the fact that Donald Trump started to allege that there was had been malfeasance in the election before several of the results had even properly settled, right? And ultimately, when it comes down to vote fraud, as Amber, as Amber says, it's a federal you know crime which can carry a sentence of up to five years. It's the burden of proof to prove it is extremely hard, and ultimately, with the numbers as they are now. Cases outside any state other than Pennsylvania won't really change the outcome of the election, which would have an effect on whether whether a judge decides to hear it overall. Right. So when it comes to Pennsylvania, um, the main uh, allegation being made by the Trump campaign, and I believe the Trump campaign are, are set to do a press conference on this later today, is that they didn't have the right number of poll watchers in the Philadelphia County Voting Center. But... And so therefore, the nature of the complaint is, well, if we can't see what's going on, how do we know that there's not voter fraud, that there isn't some kind of vote fraud happening? Um, and that doesn't really add up to there being vote fraud or to them proving vote fraud. Uh, so when it comes to these other, uh, the other cases um, that people are bringing up um, in Michigan, they were claiming that uh, a, a large number of dead people had uh, had votes cast for them but uh looking at um 
looking at what's actually happened there, it appears that that goes down more to a clerical error of someone whose name was slightly different uh, on the roll being uh, attributed with a vote. But, you know, once once you start mentioning some of this stuff on social media, uh, helpfully, a number of people will point you <laughs> towards various different uh, videos and conspiracy theories which purport to show one thing um, and then the, the truth ends up being something else entirely. When it comes to, And then when it comes to Nevada, I think that the Clark County... Uh, registrar or whoever else was giving the press conference seems to say uh, that the the Trump campaign's lawsuit uh, was without merit. And either way, it's 3,000 votes and Biden's currently ahead by 20,000 in Nevada. So if it doesn't move the needle, it does seem that there isn't much point in having these these conversations, right? So I uh, ultimately think that the the conversations around vote fraud are being had in order to give the president something to talk about. Um, whereas ultimately, there is a delay on many of the networks calling the election for Biden, though Decision Desk HQ called it for Biden on Friday morning. The other the others are, are holding out on it. Though obviously, there are more votes uh, coming in, and that may change even while we're on this call. So, well. Yeah, Matt, I think you're right to say that the dead people voting is is a clerical error, and it does happen in every election. It's just a bit funny that dead people always seem to vote Democrat. But, Amber, I, I'd like to put that to you, actually, that there isn't enough to, to sway... Uh, the, there, just, there probably isn't enough evidence of voter fraud to suggest that the election was won because of fraudulent ballots, because of illegal votes, despite what the Trump campaign are suggesting. Therefore... The only th- reason that it makes sense for the Trump campaign to do this is so that they can make the future case for electoral reform. But I would say, set against that, they are causing a crisis. You might say that the election in itself is a crisis, but they are potentially causing a crisis in the handover, in the transition of power in America that could be very, very dangerous. I'm not sure I agree with that. I suspect that most of the legal challenges will be settled within the next month or so, I find it unlikely that this level of chaos is going to persist through the inauguration of Joe Biden. And even so, again, this is how the system is supposed to work. If you sense an irregularity or fraud in the voting count, then you have the legal right to challenge it. Uh, Jill Stein did this for the Green Party back in 2016 and spent her own money to investigate whether or not there was voter fraud, and I believe it was Michigan. So, this is not unprecedented. It's not abnormal. We're just not used to seeing it done so aggressively by a candidate. And, you know, people expected this to happen, honestly. So for people to act shocked that Trump is doing this kind of blows my mind because he's been floating doing this for the past six months if he were to lose the election. And well, that's Trump something that's has... something that that's something that blows my mind is that, that Trump has been saying this was going to happen almost all along. I assume mm-hmm. the bet his bet was that they would blow, they would have such a big red wave on the day, it would be such a blowout that it would be able to push away a large amount of ele- illegal activity on behalf of the Democrats. But if Trump really thought that it was a legitimate threat, could he not have pushed harder to organise uh, defensive mechanisms to make sure that there was better oversight of state-by-state voting? Yeah, that's right. And I will, I will give them credit for having their legal teams prepared. However... Some of the uh, the rules that they actually sought to prevent changing in certain states were to their detriment. For example, in Pennsylvania, 
they did not want Pennsylvania to be able to start counting mail-in and absentee ballots before Election Day, which is what Florida does and is why we got results so quickly. And there were, I think, two other states where they refused to allow them to count those votes early. And so all that really did was delay the process and make it even more chaotic and potentially, I think, probably even created the opportunity for more fraud when you have people counting early votes, mail-in votes, and in-person votes all on the same day and having all of these random breaks. And then people start to have even more questions about the process. Whereas if you would have done it in a more organized manner, then I think that gives people less opportunity to look at this and say something fishy is going on. Matt, Amber suggests that it could all be resolved in good time. Where do you, when do you think Trump gets to the point where psychologically he has accepted that he's lost and is able to say this election's over? Possibly never. Um, <laughs> I think that it's it's one of those things where you look at his circle around him and who's going to pull him to one side and have that conversation that this has uh, got beyond him and, it's not, and it hasn't got anything to do with fraud. And it hasn't got anything to do with anything other than people casting their votes for president against him, right? And I don't know if Jared Kushner is the right person to have that conversation with Donald Trump. I imagine he's probably already tried to at this point. It's certainly going to be interesting to see what unfolds during, you know, this 10-week period between now and January 20th when Biden will be inaugurated uh, to to see how Trump reacts in the lame duck session. But yeah, I, I, I don't. I can't, the all of the usual, you know, trimmings that you have when there's a, a presidential transition of power, whether that's you know having a smooth transition team and you know calling to concede the election and the inauguration and uh, all of that kind of pageantry, I can't see Donald Trump responding particularly positively to having to go through any of that because it does mean accepting defeat. And obviously, Donald Trump is one of life's great winners, as we know. Um, but what what do you think? I mean, we're getting quite a few people writing into us quite cross that we aren't uh, readers writing in quite cross that we aren't sort of standing up for the president more. I don't think that's our job to do that. Uh, I think it's to to write entertaining and interesting copy. But it is odd that there's this sort of purity test um, element now to conservative media. And a lot of people are sort of on social media or wherever are laying down the law. You know, either you're going to stand with the president now or you're part of this deep state conspiracy to overthrow him. And I hope that there is some sort of sane position uh, aside from those two polls. I've had other people in conservative media that I've been talking to about this. And our position is kind of like, well, we would like to be able to find and defend the president's position, but we need to have some evidence of what's actually happening. And the Trump campaign, I mean, overall has released relatively little. I mean, I think the Nevada and Pennsylvania things are worth looking into and should be investigated. But if they're going to claim that the election was stolen via fraud, then again, they have to prove that there were enough votes cast fraudulently in order to swing the election. And so far, we just haven't seen evidence of that. I think Republicans are thinking the same thing. Like, we would love to back up the president. We've been doing it for four years. But we can't just baselessly claim uh, something happened if it didn't, because then that threatens our credibility for 2024, and then we're going to have a harder time in the midterms and then the following presidential election if Trump doesn't decide to run. 
The other calculation that they're making is if the Trump family is still heavily involved in Republican politics in 2024, maybe Don Jr. launches a presidential campaign and they have a lot of money involved, then we could be sitting in the same position where where we were in 2016, where we were bad-mouthing Trump during the uh, primary, and then he ended up winning, and we had to basically flip loyalty. So it's a really difficult co- uh, line for, I think, conservatives and Republicans to walk right now in trying to figure out how much they can back up the president to sort of meet that loyalty test, but not doing it so much that they lose all credibility. Uh, so that's a, a tough conversation that's going on, I think, on the right right now. Uh, obviously, the spectator is more cocktail party than political party as it is. So when it comes to conservative media, we we kind of just uh, dipping our toes in, right? So we've got the we've got the breadth where hopefully our yeah, I, I'm referring to my myself as conservative media, not the spectator. To be clear, <laughs> uh, I've always hated that slogan about ourselves, actually, Matt. But you've really clarified how much I, I dislike it. <laughs> You just needed to hear me vocalise it. <laughs> yeah, it was just more of a cocktail party. More of a cocktail party. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, I mean, well, Matt, you're not a conservative really at all. And you don't no. think that this was a colour... <laughs> do you not think this was a colour revolution? Right. <laughs> uh, executed by the CIA and national security people inside America? Sure. Do I think, do I think that's what it is? No, do you, you must have. I'm being facetious. You must have heard this um, uh, conspiracy theory put about. It's been put about by quite a few people we know. I think it's quite interesting that it's being put about, but I haven't seen enough evidence to suggest it's credible. When it comes to the deep state, I think that people kind of overcharacterize that civil servants don't think that. Civil servants obviously believe in the power of government and the Trump administration doesn't necessarily, which is why there are so many un- unfilled posts. And basically, I think that when it comes to the relationship between civil servants and political appointees, that this has probably been like the, the least healthy relationship in Washington that those people have had. And ultimately, they, they struggle because they think the political appointees are so incompetent. And therefore, that I think is what get characterized as like the deep state wider is that like that frustration and the fact that they personally would rather have you know, a more centre-rightish Republican or or a more kind of centre-leftish Democrat in power in order to, for like that aspect of government to function. That's what I think the, the deep state is fundamentally. I don't think that's the same as, and I, I don't think, you know, uh, someone's personal, political, private frustrations are necessarily going to mean that they, that they use their job <laughs> to work against the president and that movement. I don't think that's, I don't think there's necessarily any, any merit to that and when it comes I, I i have to point out that amber did you did say that the reason that amber uses the term baseless when it comes to these claims of electoral fraud and the reason that people in the media use that is because you know it's alleging a crime and you have to do that you have to have evidence to do that right so when it comes to do you mean baseless with sorry? a d do you mean baseless with a d baseless <laughs> Well, I, I didn't say baseless in my piece. I said vague, I said vague and unsubstantiated because at the time that Trump was making them, they they were those claims were vague and unsubstantiated. I think at the moment they still are, as Amber says, electoral fraud and vote fraud is you know a federal crime which is very hard to win in court. So you've really got to have some evidence to prove that that's the the case. And obviously, to to, to do so before the elections even finished and all the votes are counted uh, is a sight to see. I think. Amber, just quickly, when do you think Trump should, this is the question we're asking in this podcast, when do you think Trump should accept defeat? If he doesn't have, let's say, 
His legal challenges are all dismissed quite quickly. Do you think he should then accept defeat? Do you accept that you should accept that? Yeah, after all the legal challenges are done, I think he should. I don't think he will. Um, (laughs) I think Matt is absolutely right that this election was stolen is going to be the line from Trump probably until the end of time. And that's, I guess, a reality that we kind of have to accept. You mean, when you say until the end of time, I think you mean that that's his 2024 campaign platform. Because he's probably the likeliest member of the Trump family to stand in 2024, I would say, more than Don Jr. or like Ivanka, right? So... Well, and Matt, I mean, how much do you think he could be damaging his chances of winning again in 2024, should he choose to run, by having this sort of tantrum, which I think is it's very easily characterised as a tantrum. Perhaps it's not a tantrum, tantrum, but he does look a little bit like a sore loser now, which is not a very good look for any leader. Right. I don't... Uh, it depends on what his supporters think like how how they perceive what's what's happening right now and i think that a lot of trump supporters empathize with him more than th- than are thinking oh but the georgia senate race we've got to preserve our the integrity of the republican party for that um so yeah he could he could be doing himself damage but then also he could be you know the 25 percent of the country or whatever who is fiercely loyal to trump regardless he's ultimately still playing to them and is i think is you know depending on what his next move is whether that's a 2024 challenge whether that's as people keep speculating him starting a media company or taking one over for those people and that audience you know you've got for as far as a a business move for the trump organization it seems like a pretty savvy one uh well on that uh inevitably inconclusive uh but very very (laughs) eloquent eloquent note matt we will end it thank you both uh for joining me let's um do an update soon thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed that episode of americano and i'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 